started investing in businesses. He started, <laughs> started investing in businesses. And, but eventually those businesses fell. They, they didn't last long. And that caused him to go bankrupt. It caused him to file for bankruptcy in the early 1990s. Now, Unitas thought he had it all together. But he soon realized that it can all be taken away very quickly. Today, we'll be looking at a passage where the people thought they had it all together. But in fact, in fact they had nothing. My sermon title today is Riches to Rags. I'm pretty sure all of you have heard this, the saying, rags to riches, where you go from having nothing and then you work your way to the top. But I want to twist that today, riches to rags, the fact that John Unitas thought he had it all together. The Laodiceans in our passage today, they thought they had it all together. But in fact, they didn't. They had nothing. This passage today will reveal the true condition of our hearts while showing us that we need to reject arrogance and accept Christ's sufficiency. Reject arrogance and accept Christ's sufficiency. Our first point today that you must do to reject arrogance and accept Christ's sufficiency is examine your usefulness. Examine your usefulness. Uh, so have you, ever, have you guys ever had something around that's just taking up space? Like something you have in your house that's just kind of there and you don't know why? Like, I know a lot of people have their, like, big tube TVs in their basements that are just kind of sitting there or in their garage. You're like, why is that there? Why does that exist? <laughs> and at our house right now, we have a pool, okay? But our pool isn't lined at the moment, so it's kind of just, like, there. It, it, <laughs> I, I can't swim in it or anything, so it's just there. Like, I don't know. What, I can use it for Gladiator Arena. That, that, that's a great, but it's not fulfilling its purpose. It's not fulfilling its purpose. And in our passage today, we see the church in Laodicea needed to examine their usefulness. Okay? So let's uh, read verses 14 through 16 in Revelation 3, uh, 14 through 16. That's on page 1030 in your pew Bible. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. 15. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So in the passage, the church in Laodicea is being addressed. Uh, this is the last address Jesus makes to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Now, Laodicea was situated in a plateau in the fertile valley of the Lycus River on a permanent trade route. Okay? Laodicea, became, because it was situated on this trade route, it became very wealthy at the end of the first century. So wealthy, in fact, that in 60 AD, when a tor- uh, not tor- an earthquake hit it, that they were because of their pride, and they were able to reject help from other nations to rebuild their, their city. So because they were so rich, they didn't they rejected help to rebuild their city. Okay, now in verse 14, uh, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write: Jesus introduces himself in three different ways that were extremely relevant to the Laodiceans. Each of the seven addresses Jesus makes to the churches, he 
introduces himself in the way that's relevant for them. Okay, so the first way Jesus introduces himself is the amen, the amen, the so be it. It refers to the sovereignty of God. Secondly, he introduces himself as the faithful and true witness. He's repeating what he calls himself earlier in Revelation. Thirdly, he calls himself the beginning of God's creation. We must be very careful with the phrase, not to misunderstand it. Jesus is not the first creation. He is the one who began God's creation. Commentators would sometimes translate this, the ruler of God's creation, meaning sovereign over it. God reminds the church of Laodicea that they, that they say they need nothing and they think they are controlling their own lives, but they are, they are not in control. God is sovereign. That's the first point, uh, sub-point. Uh, know that God is sovereign. Know that God is sovereign. Let's look at verse 15. He says, I know your works. He, starts at com- he comes right out and says, I know your works. God is omniscient. He knows all things. He knows you even if you don't believe that. He always knows who you are, what you do. The second sub-point today is analyze your suitability. Analyze your suitability. Hot and cold uh, in this passage. Some people believe that hot is the symbol for the believer, while cold refers to the unbeliever's heart. Well, sometimes in the Bible we're seeing that being the case. Uh, It's not the context here. The very next sentence says, would that you were either hot or cold. And we know from the passage, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill, fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He does not want you to perish. So that is not the hot and cold Jesus is talking about. The hot and cold is rather useful. Like, hot and cold are both useful, while lukewarm is not. Like, hot is a refresh from the cold, well, cold is refreshed from the hot, and hot is like, um, it keeps you warm in the cold. And the Laodiceans were very familiar with this concept of hot and cold because at feasts they would be served hot and cold drinks, never lukewarm. Okay? So that's the context of the hot and cold here. Useful and not useful. Uh, lukewarm is not useful. Hot and cold are. The third subpoint is Realize that arrogance leads to destruction. Realize that arrogance leads to destruction. Jesus gives a warning to the people who are not living a useful life. He says in verse uh, 16, So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I will spit you out of my mouth literally translates from the Greek to mean utterly reject. The same type of phrase is used in Leviticus 18.25 when God says he vomited the Canaanites out of the land of Israel because they weren't following his commands. So this is a serious threat here. This is a threat God uses against those who are all useless in his eyes. It's not saying that if you believe in Jesus and are living in a state of uselessness, you will be rejected because we know from... John 10, 29, if you would like to turn there, it's on page 897 in your pew Bible. John 10, 29. John 10, 29 says, 
My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So we know from here that you can't lose your salvation. You can't lose your salvation. Jesus is talking about here people who are not saved. People who are not saved. He will reject those who are useless in his eyes who are not saved. Now I have some questions for you uh, considering this. Are you aware that God knows who you are? That he is sovereign over every situation? Have you evaluated your usefulness? I know for me, God wants me to reach out to my friends at my school and in my community. And sometimes I don't do that. Sometimes I am arrogant and don't do that. But God calls us to. And God calls us to repent from that situation. If you are a believer in Jesus and you are not living in a state of usefulness, God calls you to repent. He calls you to repent. Now, again, can God use you in your situation? Whether it's at school, work, home, family members that aren't saved, your coworkers. Is God using you there? And I encourage you to repent from your situation if he's not. If you're not. Our second point today, to reject arrogance and accept Christ's sufficiency is understand your condition. Understand your condition. So I remember when I was little, we had this, we would all go running outside playing with the hose, you know, spraying my brothers. It was fun. So I remember one day, I know my parents always told me, turn the water off after you're done. I forgot one day. And so I left the water running right by my uh, window well. Okay. So I go down in my basement a few hours later and find it flooded everywhere and in a section of the basement. I'm like, oh, no, this is horrible. And being the little child I was, I first tried to ignore it. I'll be like, it doesn't, that, that didn't happen. That didn't work for very long. And then I also, when my parents found out, I tried to blame it on other people. I didn't accept I didn't accept responsibility. And that's, I know that's silly, but sometimes that's just what we do with our sin. We, we try to ignore it. It's like, it's like the elephant in the room, it's there. We try to ignore it. Or we try to blame it on other people. We try and justify it. Whatever you do, that's what we all do because we're human. Jesus reveals the condition Laodicea was in in the passage. Let's read verse 17, Revelation chapter 3. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. The next two subpoints for understanding your condition are we think we're prosperous and self sufficient. We think we're prosperous and self sufficient. Okay, in verse 17, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. God brings to light the arrogant attitude Laodicea has. They think they're better than everyone. They think they don't need anything. And what I find very interesting about Laodicea is that it's very parallel to the modern church, to the church in this nation. We think we have it all together, and we think material items are enough for us, nice buildings, and we don't need anyone to tell us what to do. Uh, there's a story in the Bible of the rich young ruler, and I'd like you there to turn with me. It's in Matthew 19, 16 through 22. Uh, that's on page 824 for those of you who have your pew Bible. 
Matthew 19, 16 through 22. Matthew 19, 16 through 22. Verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what, ge- what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you, re- if you would enter life, keep the commandments, he said to him. Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I find this very interesting because it's so parallel to the Laodiceans. The the rich young ruler thought he had it all together. He thought he was prosperous and self-sufficient. He came up to Jesus thinking that he was all good, that he had it all together, that he needed nothing. But Jesus brings to light the arrogant attitude he has. He tells him that, go sell all you have. And it says in the passage that he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. You think you are rich, prosperous, and needed nothing, but are in reality wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Now some questions I have for you today. Do you sometimes tell yourself you are in need of nothing and are content? Do you, like the rich young man, need a heart check to see where your heart really lies? Is your heart in uh, the thing being prosperous and self-sufficient? The second set of points, uh, but we think we're, but we're really broken, blind, and naked. We're really broken, blind, and naked. Are you awakened to the fact that we are all wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked, that like the Laodiceans and like the rich young man, that we need a heart check. We need to find out where our heart lies. The third point for you today is uncover the grace of the Father. Uncover the grace of the Father. So there's a story of Billy Graham. Uh, he was driving through a small southern town and was stopped by a policeman and charged with speeding. Speeding. Grant admitted his guilt, but was told, told by the officer that he would have to appear in court. The judge asked, guilty or not guilty? When Graham pleaded guilty, the judge replied, that'll be $10, a dollar for every mile you went over the limit. And as Graham was getting ready to pay the fine, the judge recognized him. They said, wait, you're Billy Graham, you're this famous minister. So what the judge did was he took the $10 out of his own pocket, attached it to the ticket. But not only that, he then took out Graham out for a nice steak dinner. And Grant then says, that's how God treats repentant sinners. Think about that. God saves you from your situation you're in. He saves you from hell, but he also gives you abundant blessing. He gives you abundant blessing. Okay? So let's read verses 18 through 19 in our text. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen 
and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. In verse 17, Jesus uses some adjectives to describe the Laodiceans. He says, they are poor, they are naked, and they are blind. What is really interesting about in verse 18 is that he gives some solutions to the problem. He gives them solutions for the problem. The first subpoint in uncovering grace to the Father is it involves us purchasing gold for our bankruptcy. Gold for our bankruptcy. In verse 18, beginning of verse 18, he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. Jesus first addresses the people's poverty. He counsels the Laodiceans to buy from him gold, gold from himself, from Jesus. Not just ordinary gold, but it says gold refined by fire. This gold was a gold that would glorify God, make them truly rich. The city was lavished in great wealth, but Jesus points out that their spiritual poverty it also involves us purchasing clothing for our blackened hearts. Clothing for our blackened hearts. Jesus then addresses their nakedness. He counsels them to buy white garments to clothe themselves so the nakedness would not be seen. What's really interesting about Laodicea is that they had a black garment that they were famous for, made of black wool. That they were, It was like what, who the people were, that's what they made. That's how they made a lot of their money. And it's really interesting that that kind of shows where their heart, like, symbolizes their heart. It was blackened heart, blackened to the truth. But Jesus tells them to buy from him white garments, symbolizing repentance and righteousness to cover their nakedness. Thirdly, we must purchase medication for our blindness medication for our blindness. And finally, Jesus addresses their blindness. Jesus encourages the people to buy from him, solve from, for their eyes, not for physical sight, but a spiritual sight. Like the Laodiceans, sometimes the modern church is blind to spiritual things, but quite conscious of material things that our prosperity can buy. There's another passage I would like you all to turn to today. John 9, 39. John 9.39, that's on page 896 in your pew Bible. John 9.39. John 9.39 says, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. This just reinforces the fact that God, that Jesus is revealing to us our true condition, that our hearts, that we are blind, and that he came so we could see. It's only by Jesus' grace that we can see. And when I say purchase, purchasing all these things, gold for our bankruptcy, clothing for our blackened hearts, and medication for our blindness, we can't purchase that on our own. We can't buy these treasures with money. The price had been paid through Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus is encouraging them to pursue heavenly treasure rather than worldly treasure. We also must know that God rebukes out of love. 
God rebukes out of love. In Revelation 19, I mean, Revelation 3.19, it says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. God loves you. God loved the Laodiceans. That's why he's giving them this warning, not because he hates them, but because he loves them. We also must realize that he wants us to repent. He wants us to repent. God loves you, and he, you, he wants you to come back to him. He wants you to repent from your situation, repent from your sin. <clears throat> now I have some questions for you today. Has God's grace been uncovered in your life? Have you been able to purchase gold for your bankruptcy, clothing for your blackened heart, and medication for your blindness? Are you aware that you are poor, needing of gold, naked and needing of clothing, and blind in need of sight? Are you looking to the things of this world rather than to the things of God? Are you? Are you looking to the things of this world rather than the things of God? Are you willing to repent from your situation? Are you living in a state of uselessness? Are you living in a state of, are you living a useless spiritual life? Are you not doing what God wants you to do? Reaching out to your friends, your classmates, your coworkers. Just ask yourself, are you? Jesus calls you to reach out to them. I challenge you, if you are not doing that, to repent from your situation knowing that God will give you a second chance. Repent from your situation. But maybe some of you are here today and you've never accepted this message of the gospel. And I encourage you, if you weren't listening at all to what I was saying, just catch this. God created you for a relationship with him. We were in perfect unity with God. Adam and Eve were in perfect unity with God, but they messed up. We mess up every day. Our sin separates us from God. We we failed. And because of that, God is holy. We are not. It separated us from him. And so many people now try to like, climb up the ladder of righteousness kind of thing. Like, we think good deeds will get us to heaven. We think good deeds will get us to heaven, but they don't. Our good deeds are like filthy rags from Isaiah 64.6. They're like filthy rags. And God knew this. God knew we couldn't save ourselves. We can't save ourselves. So that's why I sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. He paid the price for our sins by dying and rising again. And all you have to do is put your faith and trust in him alone for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will have eternal life with him. And life with Jesus doesn't start. I mean, it starts now. Like, God comes into your life. He saves you from hell, but he also helps you every day of your life. And he helps me every day of my life. When I'm struggling, he helps me. I just find that so encouraging. As I close today, like Johnny Unitas and the Laodiceans, we may believe we have it all together and are in need of nothing. But God calls us to realize our true condition and that we are all broken in need of God's amazing grace. We must reject arrogance and accept Christ's sufficiency. Let me close in prayer. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. God, I just pray that you work in these people's hearts today. God, that you convict them of sin. And that if there's someone here who has not put their 
full trust in you, God, that they would come to that realization. God, I thank you for the opportunity you gave me to be up here. And God, just help no one to be the same after today. In your precious name I pray. Amen.